This is part two or continuation of the unscripted conversation that Barry Page and I had. Barry's a friend, an insurance agent, and a longtime Nelson Nash Institute practitioner. We had fun. Hope you enjoy listening. Thank you. You know, all of Nelson's examples in the book show uh, taking money out later, but I don't think people really grasp it because they're uh, they're looking at financing things, right? And uh, the vehicles and the log trucks and things of that nature. And so when you actually look at it, uh, you know, for income, for cash flow, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a little different. And, yeah. um, you know, Nelson always liked to talk about business in his seminars, right? And so he, he would ask, Is there, are there any business owners here, right? And, and business owners tend to get this concept uh, a little bit better than people that that work, you know, for wages uh, because they're used to profits and expenses and things of that nature, right? And they understand cash flow a little bit. So, um, you know, uh, but but on the same token, uh, being a business owner for, you know, 35, going on 40 years now almost, um, you know, business owners are can be a little unorganized and uh don't don't like to keep records all the time and this and that so it's uh it can get convoluted if you want it to but it really doesn't have to be it's just about a place to store money and a place to access money uh whether it be for business finance and or just for cash flow and retirement you know i i agree i think simplicity is a virtue you know, complexity is what it is, but the more complex something is, the more fragile it is. And it really doesn't have to be complicated. Um, it, I mean, it doesn't have to be quote unquote dumbed down either. I mean, there's, right. but it's very yeah. simple um, yeah. and very powerful. I think most people today are, Nelson said it, it's where I got it. I repeat it. It's like most people's understanding of life insurance is based on someone else's misunderstanding or misconception yep. of life insurance. That's so true today. And when you look at life insurance, dividend paying whole life insurance by a mutual company that hopefully has no uh, no intentions of demutualizing, I won't go into that, but uh, very powerful when you compare right. it to everything else that you can do or most people do in the financial world. And everything we do in life is going to be compared to what other people are doing. Wow. And if they're yeah. going backwards and we're going forwards, we're twice ahead of them. Oh, yeah. You know, Nelson demonstrated that very well in the uh, airplane analogy. So it is very simple. It, and I like it. It is. Uh, I do, too. And uh, you just mentioned something, uh, you know, what everybody else is doing right? The way of the world yep. uh, is wicked, right? And, and you know, that was the other thing that really stood out to me about Nelson and the book was that it was sprinkled throughout the book, you know, scripture. And then just knowing the man, you, you, you could feel his heart, uh, you know, and he just loved people and he wanted to share this with them. And that, 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 was, that was me. And, and so I, I have to back up to why I actually got into this business. And well, we jumped uh, I didn't get over that. Yeah, well, you know, I told you about my family, and so that that attracted me. I told you about reading all the books, right? Um, and and yes, the financial services industry told me about all the money I could make, but um, I wasn't so interested in the money. I wanted to give back because I had been affected by these things personally. My yeah. my dad and my stepdad, uh, you know, being disabled and, and passing with term insurance or no insurance, and so. I wanted to give back and I wanted to teach people this stuff. And so that's why, you know, you know, with this book, we have the chance to give back, to teach people something that they may not know because they're certainly not going to get it uh, in traditional uh, avenues through, you know, their financial planner or uh, their banker or their accountant. Right. They're telling them all the opposite, what everybody else is doing. So I kind of like that. You know, again, I was a, uh, I rode a skateboard where everybody else was playing baseball and football. I, I lived in a small town, only one there. I rode a bicycle, BMX bike. People still tell me today, you know, I still ride my bike. They you still me, ride it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they say, when are you going to grow up, man? I was like, well, hey, I'm trying to stay young. Right. So, um, it's, so uh, you're a contrarian. That what I, is that what I'm hearing? You don't want to well, do what everybody else is doing. Something like that. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, I, I, I am. I am. 
but you know, I, I also uh, I realize that I, um, uh, you know, I can be a little hard nosed sometimes about those things, so I have to <laughs> I have to tone it down a little bit. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, I've just learned the hard way. How how about that school of hard knocks, James? I don't. Uh, I mean, again, I've lost money. Uh, I've invested in the market and, and lost money. I've invested in real estate and lost money. I've, um, you know, and I've done it right too. I've made money in both of those arenas. But what what people don't always understand about, you know, making that money, those, you know, get rich quick or making a lot of money is you can lose that money, right? And if, if you don't, if you don't have it stored in the right place, right? So uh, that's, you know, really about the banking. If you store it, if you run it through your system and you store it in a place that's safe and secure and that you realize that you're the asset. And if you like business, I mean, what better business is there to be in? If people just looked at banking, like Nelson always says, as a business, every time you start up one of these policies, you're starting a new business and people like business. So that's that's kind of the philosophy that I try to share with people. Hey, if you want to take control of your money, if you want to uh, be smart and and protect what's important first, your ability to earn income, your family, your finances, then uh, you know it is pretty simple. It really doesn't have to be complicated. We just have to. Uh, you know, look at really, you know, at the end of the day, I always ask people, why, why do you want to do this? Why is it important? And uh, once they, like you said, what, what, understand what's going on, like Nelson always says, they'll know what to do, right? Yep. Yep. So what do you do now? How do you, how do you attract clients or how do you engage new clients or prospective clients? You have a big, you have a big click funnel thing going on in the on the web and Facebook funnels and all that. I'm being funny. Um, no, what do you what do you do? What do you do now? What do you, what are you doing to attract Man, clients or engage them? You know. Yeah, well, I'm I'm definitely involved uh, with marketing and and online uh, the funnel thing. Uh, <laughs> I was being facetious. I'm I'm there's value in hey, people. Got to yeah, oh, know absolutely. who you are and what you do. Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, I learned about funnels a while ago and um, I've tried to recreate. I'm, I'm kind of the do it yourself, right? And, um, and so I tried to, to do a lot of that stuff myself. It takes a lot of time and effort. But, uh, I, you know, I, I make in- educational videos, James, and I, I get a lot of people that do, uh, you know, watch our channel just like yours. Um, but, uh, I, you know, at the end of the day, James, uh, you, you have to pick up the phone and, and talk to people. Uh, and of course that's been hard in the past year or so um, and, and getting out and meeting people. But uh, I do a lot of my business online, just like we're talking right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd say 90% of my business is that way. Um, you know, people still do come in the office and I sit down and, and meet with them, but um, that, that's what I do. I don't, uh, I don't get too worried about it. Um, you know, I don't, uh, you know, they're out there and, and I'll just talk to people. But but yeah, that's that's what I do. I just try to share my story. And some people, like I said, want to listen. And the ones that want to read this book, then, hey, if they'll read the book, then then usually um, they'll come. But I want to uh, I do have an appointment uh, later on today. I want to read you the uh, we do a little, uh, you know, question and answer what's your most uh, pressing financial concern. Here's what the, this one said. Okay. And tell me if this sounds familiar uh, to what you hear about. Now, this person, I can just tell by their answer, even though they they set up the meeting for to learn about infinite banking, mm-hmm. but I can tell they hadn't read the book. Here's what they said. Uh, I'm a 28-year-old female. I'm interested in learning how infinite uh, banking works and the options for me. I've looked at IULs and I want to compare options with whole life. (laughs) (laughs) So just what you said. So what do you think I'm going to say to that? I mean, I I don't don't know. uh, Wait, you you schedule an office appointment with her? No, it's online. It's online. They they scheduled it. um, Yeah, yeah. You know, with me. Well, you're being gracious. I don't know what you're going to tell her. You got to read Nelson's book first or you making decisions based on illustrations. I I will let them know. Yes. Uh, No, I'm not. I'm not going to compare illustrations. Uh, Absolutely not. Uh, 
And so it's, uh, it, it is unfortunate, though, that people want to compare banking to everything from yeah. mutual funds to, to real estate, uh, to all of that. And, uh, you know, uh, it's good to have all of that. And I want people to have all that. It's just, hey, learn. You got to take care. It's, it's those, you know, those steps. And you got to take the first step first. And if you don't protect what's important first, you could lose it all. And again, we've we've experienced all of that, and uh, and that's why I can speak about it, speak to it, uh, because of my personal experience. And uh, and I see it every day uh, talking to people. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, people don't have life insurance, James. I, I you know they they're worth you know millions of dollars, and they have zero life insurance, yeah. and they think you know self they don't need it. Yeah, yeah they're self insurance. Yeah. Yeah, there's, you know, it is what it is. I think when you get above 40-ish, you have a preconceived idea about life insurance, and it's generally not good. Not, It's not all bad, I mean, uh, but the younger people, you know, like her at 28, I mean, it's good for her for even reaching out to you at, right. at 28 Absolutely. years of age. I mean, wow. Yeah. yeah. She was, she's the head of the curve. Absolutely. Um, and of course, everybody's throwing at her term. You're so young, you're not going to die. You don't need it. Self-insured, buy term and invest the difference. And, you know, that's how I really started my career way back. Uh, well, actually, I started with Medicare supplements before they were standardized. Right? It was like, talk about the Wild West. Uh, did that for a couple of years on a temporary license, two different temporary When did you licenses. first get a license? A permanent license, 1991. Wow. And uh, and I went to work that, and I had come out of uh, A.L. Williams. You know, I went to those meetings and had some friends saying, "Oh man, you got to come do this." And it was I, exciting. Yeah, well, to to this day, I don't like multi level marketing. I'm not saying you can't be profitable. We have clients in direct marketing, and they're knocking it out of the park. I'm not just yeah. for me. I wasn't comfortable. Right. Right. Um, and I bought into that, so I went to work with a Fortune 500 company, and uh, that's all they did. They owned three or four different life insurance companies. It was all term. They owned a mutual fund family at the time. Very, it was eight and a half percent front end loads on the mutual funds. Now that was, you know, and going out at the time, but it still wasn't. You know, it didn't make people mad. I mean, that was just the norm. Now there's. 5% front-end loads. And anyway, all the costs have come down. But that's the way I started because I believed in, you know, buy term and invest the difference. I thought that made great sense. And their yeah. biggest, they love to disparage whole life, you know, trash value life and on right. all the neg- negative terms. And I and I bought into that. I'm like, yeah, why would anybody ever do that? Because you're, you're only looking at the death benefit. No question. Right. Well, when I went to work for this Fortune 500 company, now they have two mutual fund families and the front end loads are normal or 5% or uh, a rear load. Uh, but at the end of the day, I experienced these because I got a bunch of orphan accounts, house accounts, you know, and then it was all, you know, your 100 man list, you know, all your friends, your family, pester them, knock on their doors. And it was. It was literally, you know, door to door, store to store, and floor to floor, knocking on doors, and um, which is not pleasant, but it's I a, love people, you know? Yeah. It's a little tougher to do that nowadays because of, uh, you know, <laughs> you mentioned the multi-level marketing. I mean, it, people are getting pitched from every direction. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. so cold calling uh, these days, man, it, it takes some... Uh, it's a month to do that. But I seen my clients aging. They didn't outlive the need for a death benefit. Right. And that investment, if it occurred, you know, buy term and invest the difference or invest the rest. And, right. and I understand that A.O. Williams at one time was a regional manager for this firm. So he took their idea and multi-level marketing and started that A.O. Williams, which turned into Prime America, right? Right, right. But I seen my clients, they didn't outlive the need. And I was surrounded by older gentlemen that had gone through 71, 72, and 73, that stagflation. Yes. And, uh, you know, they believe the market was end-all, be-all. And But what I seen my clients experience is that they didn't they didn't enjoy that mountain graph wave of lies where 
your value is going to go up forever and only go right. one way, your portfolio. And it wasn't because of the 8.5% front-end loads that that didn't occur. You know? Right. And so I got pretty disillusioned with uh, Wall Street and the whole idea of term. Yes. Um, but if uh, – I mean, it still goes on today, and I don't really want to just it, it, you know eight eight and a half percent loads and all the loads you know and all that stuff nowadays has, has changed, like you said. But you know, um, uh, kind of relating that to financing and and during those years when rates and everything uh, were high, uh, I show it uh, sometimes. I don't have it handy right now, but my first. Do you remember your first vehicle that you uh, you financed on your own or yes. bought? Yeah. You, do you remember what kind of in- Chevrolet? Okay. Well, mine was I think a '82 Ford Pinto, uh, uh, but uh, the or, or early it might have even been newer than that. It was '82. Uh, I was in high school when I got it. But um, the uh, the interest rate on that twenty four point one percent. Was it really? And yeah, my mother uh, co-signed. She had to co-sign for me. Sure. And that's still how much interest uh, I paid on that vehicle. And nowadays, people, you know, they think because uh, the life insurance company's uh, charging five or six or seven percent that that that's outrageous, right? Yeah. And uh, and along with that that term and mutual fund thing, um, and the whole buy term. I mean, they're chasing that rate, but like you said, they're they're paying it as well. So. That's why Nelson just did such a good job. It's not about the rates, right? It's you know, there's going to be rates. You're, there's a cost of money, yeah. right? There, there is a cost, and you can't capital. control them. You can't control the interest rate. You can't control the stock market. You can't control any of that. None of that. I mean, you can control whether you want to pay twenty four percent interest on a third party to a third party lender or not. But you know, as you mentioned that. Um, what I remember, 1972 Custom Cheyenne Automatic Pioneer four-tone paint, you know, it was like the bomb diggity. $3,250 yeah. new. That that truck would cost $35,000 today if you uh, could find uh, one. Or right? more. And yeah. then a brand new Chevrolet today, seventy grand or whatever they want. Absolutely. But, you know, going back to the, your, your uh, appointment later, your call, the, the 28-year-old young lady that uh, after – I got disillusioned with the buy term and invest the difference. Uh, UL was very big, universal yeah. life. And mm-hmm. we used to go door to door, store to store, floor to floor, selling retirement plans. And I thought yeah. everybody needed to have a dignity in retirement. You know, I grew up pretty, uh, I don't want to say poor, but I grew up poor. You know, I mean, I didn't know it. We wouldn't know it. Everybody else told you how poor you were, right? Looking right. back. You know, my parents worked hard, had everything I ever wanted or needed. Um, but I just thought that that was a noble idea, that everybody sure. should have money available and they should have a dignified retirement. And so these universal life policies were were presented, and I knew nothing about life insurance, right, other than term and invest the difference, right? So universal life they illustrated very well. Back then, the interest rates were very high. You could buy 30-year government bonds paying 12%, you know? And so the universal life, they could illustrate at 8 9 10 and 12% back then all day long. And so they were and, beautiful. And they were running those commercials when E.F. Hutton speaks. Everybody right? listens. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Universal Life was created, I mean, there's several reasons, but the life insurance companies forgot their history and their heritage, and they all demutualized, want to be all things to all people. Ralph Nader, the consumer protectionist, you know, unbundled products, you know, whole life is is esoteric, and you can't clearly see the charges, and, you know, you got to unbundle everything to be clear, and so here's the cost of insurance, here's the side account that earns interest, and Oh my gosh! Interest rates are as high as high as a cash back, and so you can just illustrate that cash side account earning twelve percent year over year. Well, what have interest rates done since then? Right? Yeah. Come down. Come down. But Stay they down. they still do that today, you know. So you had the the universal life, and I know you know this, right? And I know you've experienced it. The how many universal life policies do you still do you see still in force today? You know, back in the day that were issued in the 90s. Yeah, well, yeah. it's 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 fewer and fewer, but um, I I can't tell you how many I, I come across and they're on their last legs, right? Yeah. I mean, they're they're 
blowing up, as we call it. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, uh, people still have them and they're still out there and they're mad because now they're 70 years old or whatever, can't get insurance and their, their premium went up from 3000 to 30,000. Yep. And, um, you know, so they got to keep it in force. So, yeah. And that gives the whole industry a bad name. Absolutely. Right? I mean, yeah. uh, so we are the bearers of, of all of that, that bad news. Man, I mean, the they, life they insurance. Throw, yeah. The, throw us all in the same bucket. The life insurance has earned every black eye they, they get. My opinion. Yeah. I don't miss an opportunity to tell them. But, you know, it makes me angry. <laughs> but I say it in love. I just would like yes. them to remember their heritage right. and who they are. Go down to the basement right. and break open some of those archives last right. 100, 150 years. You know, yeah. you don't have to be like everybody else. It's okay to be right. you. Anyway. Exactly. But I know yeah. as the interest rates came down, then they had to uh, – Universal life, they had to come out with that uh, variable universal life. You know, the stock market's going up. And uh, so instead of earning high interest rates on the side account because interest rates are so low, we'll just create sub accounts and you can earn money in a sub account like many mutual funds. And so that was the latest rage all through the 90s. I still yeah. see some of those. And then uh, most of them blew up and then they came out with indexed universal life. And that's probably what this young lady wants to compare is indexed universal life to whole life. Right. Right. And Yeah, exactly. Now, but I want to ask you, so, you know, you're talking about the 80s and the UL when it, it all came out and the laws changed. And But back then, okay, it was about it was almost a commodity. It was about cheaper, right? You don't you don't have to buy this expensive whole life, right? right. You can get this this cheap term right. and either invest or you can put your money in UL because it's going to be cheap like the term, but it's still going to you know give you some some growth uh, like the whole life, which of course uh, didn't work out the way they had planned. But why do you think? And now though the IUL, it's a little different. It's more about the excitement. It's almost like they've mm-hmm. they've taken the banking. And they've taken the, the the stock market and they've they've, they've reduced the risk right uh, with it. And they say, hey, it can be exciting, you know, like this mutual fund, like the VUL was supposed to be, right? And um, but you're still going to have the life insurance. So what what do you think that shift? And then still, I mean, these life insurance companies, James, they've been around for hundreds of years. Now you know most businesses. They don't last five years, let alone a hundred, right? Right, right? So when you're talking about life insurance companies, they're the oldest in the country and, and in the world. Why do you think they demutualized, and and why do you think all of this push for these, you know, other products? What what do you think that is? I think there's several reasons. You know, number one is profits to the company. A, a life insurance company can make a, a universal life and term insurances more profitable for a life insurance company, right? The old whole life policies, uh, traditional, I don't say old like that's a bad thing. No, they're the tried and true dividend paying whole life insurance policies issued by a mutual company are less profitable for the life insurance company. All right. Right. Um, and so that's a big part of it. The, uh, the, uh, so let me just stop you, stop you right there. Okay. Just, to uh, and don't mean to interrupt you, but the term insurance people don't understand. They think because it's cheap, right? It's mm-hmm. cheap, but you got to understand there's a lot of risk for the life insurance company. A million dollar policy that's costing you thirty dollars a month, or you know, a couple hundred dollars a year, whatever it might be when you're young, and then um, they think, well, that you know, they're not making any money on that, right? But twenty years down the road, right, and the use of that money. Uh, like you said, since those policies rarely pay a claim, that's where the profit is. So, you know, yeah, there, so, I've seen several statistics, but 97% of all term life insurance does not pay a death benefit. It's either dropped the consumer, the policy owner quit paying a premium, um, or they outlive their term. Like in the case right. of your father, 30 year term, right. Right. you know, it, it, and, and then. The term's gone, and then we graduate. Uh, right. You know, the the odds of dying between now and 65 are pretty slim. They're just What's not very high. What's the chance of dying high. after? 
after 65. A hundred percent. I mean, think of now, why can't you renew a, a term, you know, after age 70 or after age 80, right? Yeah, so right. I think there's profitability for the life insurance company, right? And all every company in the world is in business for one primary reason. Number one, to make a profit. Number two, to provide a service, right? right. So um, these mutual companies, you know, they, they – uh, it's not like a stock company where the, the, the president and the CEO and all the VPs across the board can get paid in stock options, you know. Um, so you have uh, Nelson talked about the Harvard MBA. They show up in the life insurance world and start demutualization with all these companies in the 80s. And if you step back and look that uh, in the late 80s is when the uh, 401ks came out. Right. right. Key old plan, the key old plan, you know, save 10 percent of your income, do it tax deferred. You're going to be in a lower tax bracket when you retire and you're going to be a millionaire because the stock market always goes up. Well, tell me which one of those didn't happen. Right. All right. So the companies demutualized in the late 80s as well. Now, think about that. All these companies demutualize. They get to produce all these stocks. Now they get to manipulate the value of the stock. And then they get to retire, and then they get all these bonuses for making the stock values go up. But fundamentally, profits, uh, it's more profitable for a life insurance company, the universal life, and the term insurance is more profitable for the company. Then so, it's, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Finish. Then it's easier to sell, in my opinion. You yeah. know, it's like you can have a million dollars for $65 a month in term insurance, and then, or you could have, you know, a million dollars at in whole life for, you know, 10000 a year, whatever the price is. And they focus right. only on the cost of the death benefit. They jump smooth right. over what's going on in Wall Street, what taxes are going to do. And nobody ever talks about who's performing the banking function until Nelson Nash shows up. I mean, there had been other people. There was a gentleman in Canada about the same time. Uh, you don't have to die to win. I think is his book. Uh, you can't hardly find it. I'm just saying nobody until Nelson Nash, you know, looked at life insurance, and it was from his experience, right? His experience is in the first part of becoming your own banker. It's like, my gosh, your need for finance is greater than your need for death benefit. So that. I think makes a life insurance industry angry. They didn't come up with it, so they got to disparage it. It's like a sales gimmick, a marketing gimmick, and then that's adopted, right? In the even in the IUL world, you know, bring in banking. If you have an account value or cash value, you probably have a loan provision. So people use it and bastardize this idea that you can become your own banker as a sales right. tool. Well, you just you just hit on it, and of course Nelson addresses that in the book and on mm -hmm. on the Infinite Banking website right off that it's not a it's not a sales tool, it's not a gimmick, but that's the way uh, it's pitched, and that's the way I think a lot of people kind of um, perceive it. Um, I've had many people uh, that that read the book that that told me that uh, you know that, that weren't you know they skimmed through it and they they weren't necessarily. Uh, they were just people that I was kind of getting advice from if they, you know, thought they should, I thought they should read it and uh, uh, ask their opinion on. So people do have that. It is like that. But why do you think that, uh, that you know, from a let, let's take a mutual company. And like you said, they, they haven't they deserve all that they've gotten. Uh, but, you know, there's very few of them in comparison to the stock companies. Right. So why do you think they haven't? grasp a hold uh why are they obviously lawsuits are scared of this that and the other but my goodness there's so much they should be scared about lawsuits with the with the iul and the ul too i mean for that matter um and, and the vul all of the, all of this stuff but uh you mentioned the profit so from a policy owner that you know are a part of the mutual company we want the company to make profits, right? Sure. So, so should we want them to uh, sell these more profitable products? And speaking of that, you know, the mutual companies, when they sell term insurance, they have the option of usually converting it to permanent insurance. Right. But, you know, a couple of the companies, they try to get the cheapest term that's maybe $5 less a month that's not convertible. Yep. Right. 
And then again, that's just going to give the company a bad name. I'm, I got a case right now. A couple guys have owned policies right at 20 years. They thought they were going to be able to convert them. Uh, they saved $5 a month for 20 years. And uh, a couple business partners, now their business is worth, worth millions of dollars and they're older and they can't convert those policies. So wh- what, why do you think the, the companies, uh, instead of embracing the fact that, hey, we've got a good thing, why don't we talk more about that instead of these new uh, shiny objects that are uh, more profitable? Well, I, that's the dilemma. I, what, what do you think about that? Well, I think it's, uh, you know, pretty simple. I think that they're human beings running the life insurance companies. And, you know, they've got to deal with a very uh, onerous regulatory departments in multiple. You know, the life insurance is regulated by the states. Um, That's pretty onerous. Anytime you use the word banking, that just adds another layer of scrutiny to it. What do you think that is? Uh, because I don't think the Wall Street and third-party lenders want competition. I mean, at the, at the root of it. And then it's full of ignorance, Barry. I mean, uh, I don't know how many times I've asked. They, I'm telling you, I think they're going to quit and bite me around sometime. But I'll ask these home office guys, straight, point blank, how much life insurance do you own? And it's appalling. It's shocking. They they start hemming and hawing and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, listen, you're running a life insurance company. You don't have any. The first thing you should do is buy it. And if you're not licensed, I'll write it for you. And I'll donate all the profits to your favorite charity. It's like, are you kidding me? It's like a guy running the General Motors or working running the Ford factory driving a Chevrolet. Really? Anyway, so I think it's ignorance. You know, I think that they don't know. They don't realize, and I think they're focused on compliance, and I think they're focused on running a business quite often to the exclusion of, you know, who we are, what we do. I mean, I think all of them in business currently uh, want to fulfill all the promises that they're making, you know, but they're human. They can make mistakes. You know, there's companies out there. They want to be like everybody else. They want to be in the quote-unquote financial services industry. So they want to offer universal life and term and all things to all people, right? And then you get maybe a little too thin on your investments and or whatever the case may be, right? Right. And uh, then you got to bring in new management, right? That's that solves everything in corporate America. Just bring in new management. Yes. And uh, but I think human. It's a human factor. You know, they don't understand life insurance um, as they should running these companies. And I'm not saying all companies. I know I'm generalizing. I get criticized an awful lot for being overly general and painting with a broad brush. But I'm also reminded that the canvas is large. So I need to paint with a broad brush sometimes. And it's all in love. But that's what I think. You know, human they're, they're focused on profits, and they're, they are afraid. You mentioned it. They're afraid. They're afraid of uh, regulation, and they're re- they're, they've got all the money, right? So lawsuits happen. They'll, the lawyers name everybody, but the life insurance company is the one that has money and has to pony everything up. Right. So why do you think that uh, – what do you think is going on? <laughs> well, I think it's a lot of what you just said, uh, regulation, and it uh, seems like we have more and more regulation every day. Um, you know, uh, applications nowadays are 1,500 pages, it seems like, if you, if you even print them out. So they've gone to electronic, which I, I like. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, just a lot of regulation, uh, profit, greed. Uh, greed has a lot to do with it. Uh, you, you know, uh, ignorance, arrogance, and greed, probably uh, yep. the three words that kind of come to mind uh, when you say that, uh, talk about that. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I just um, uh, I, I don't really mind being the underdog, being, you know, less mutual companies versus uh, more stock companies. I don't mind that at all. As a matter of fact, I, I kind of embrace it. Uh, I embrace the fact that I'm the the only infinite banking practitioner in the entire state of Mississippi. Right. What? Uh, yeah. The entire state. I mean, of course, there's other people from other states, but I'm talking that that, that live here. So um, that's we write uh, business in Mississippi. I'm just oh yeah, that. yeah. But what I'm saying is a resident. Yeah, right? yeah. No, I know that. That's uh, appalling. Yeah, 
It, I mean, I'm is. glad you're there. Don't misunderstand me. And it's like, yeah, yeah. You so, shouldn't be alone. Uh, you're the Lone Ranger out there. That's yeah. Right. Uh, hey, well, hey, no, I, that's why I stay in touch with people like you. You know, James. It, it's, uh, but, but it has uh, been been tough just to get the message out there. And so again, um, just letting people know what's really going on and. Once they know what's going on, they know what to do, right? So it's, yeah. it's about education. We just have to educate them because, like I said, the companies maybe haven't done the best job at doing that. Uh, uh, and, um, well, you know, I but I think people are waking up. Uh, you know, you, you brought up the whole 80s and the 401k and the mutual fund a little, a little earlier. And uh, that's just, to me, uh, you know, it's, it's blinded. I just, uh, you know, I'll ask people, do you think taxes are going up or down? And, and everybody says up. Right. Especially if you just look at the environment we're in today. I mean, these spending packages, a couple trillion here, a couple trillion there. Hey, you know, pretty soon it's real money. Right. And so people uh, are, are starting to, I think, wake up to it. They, I keep saying that. I say that every year for the past 15 years. But <laughs> uh, they, uh, I, I don't know. It, they still put money into these government plans hand over fist. And they think that that's, uh, it's all going to work out. They're, they're hoping. And so I, I don't know. I, I, I'm feel for, fearful for them. Uh, I, I'm, I'm concerned that, that we are going to have uh, a huge correction here before long and people are going to get caught with their, their pants down, you know, and uh, nothing really to, to protect them or back them up when, when things go wrong. And I felt that. So, again, I can speak to that. Uh, you know, 2005, we had Hurricane Katrina down here on the coast. I was brand new in the business. Oh, yeah, uh, you know, 2008-9, we had that other debacle. And uh, so it's just been one thing after the other. Uh, real estate, uh, again, uh, my, you know, back to the book business. Uh, my last summer, um, I had saved quite a bit of money. And um, I invested that all in a, a little company out of Mississippi. You might have heard of them. They went up against, uh, you, you remember uh, back in the day before we could do all this telecommunication here, video conference and all that, they used to call it, right? You remember how we, if I had to call you in Texas from over here, I had to dial one and your area code and yep. I had to pay a, a fee. What was that fee called? I don't remember. Long distance, right? Oh yeah, long distance. Yeah, yeah. and so the big company, AT&T. So there's a company in Mississippi, MCI WorldCom. Oh right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I put my entire savings, James, $25,000 into the stock market. And that, and my good friend sold me that stock. He's, their company was from Mississippi. So I had to put that in my entire savings at the time that I'd saved from selling books. It went up to 45,000 and I probably should have sold it then, right? Sure. I was on top of the world. He said, no, hold on. It's going to get better. It's going and to it started, a million. <laughs> it's going to 75. That's what he told me. Yeah. Right. You know how much I got? They went to zero. Lost it all. Lost it Every all. penny. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't even get to class action. I didn't even get anything from that. So, um, what was the guy? But it happened. That? What was that guy's name running that? I think it was Evers, uh, maybe a Barney uh, Evers or something like that. Yeah. I yeah. remember that. Crook. Yeah. 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 But greed. You know, they, he, yeah, they he, got paid. Yeah. They, he had the, the, the world in his hands at one point. But, you know, again, greed pushing it and then. Um, not full disclosure, uh, misinformation, whatever you want to call it, uh, out there. So people, you know, like myself and, and people, you know, just like right now, the market's at all time highs. Do you think that's going to change? I mean, what, what's your outlook on the, on the, on the markets? And yeah, I'm not a market prognosticator. I think that there's never a problem until there's a problem. You don't know. I don't know. And they don't know either when it's going to, what it's going to do. And I think it's going to trend upwards until it doesn't. And then when it does correct, however that looks, it could be some n unknown thing that, you know, we can't even conceive of right now that could trigger and cause contagion or whatever. And uh, I do believe firmly that the next correction is coming. When? I have no idea. You can't do what's going on in the big wild world today and come walk away unimpugned. It, it can't happen. But... Um, I'm convinced that when there is a correction, it's going to affect you and it's going to affect me and it's going to affect most of all of the baby boomers in their retirement. So yeah. maybe the young people, quote unquote, have time to recover. But 
You know, why would you even want to go through that? These, I see these young people today, they have experienced through their parents and older family members, and they're right. pretty not interested, you know, in locking their money up in a qualified government plan, even if they get a match or they don't get a match. Um, I think in general, this young crowd, they're, they're smarter than the average bear. I'm not saying all of them, but I see an awful lot of them that are like, yeah, I'm not really interested in all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it gives me hope. And, and uh, so I'm not a prognosticator. I think there is a correction coming, and I think you ought to do something about it. And the quicker you figure out what you can do about it, the better off you and your family will be. Um, well, speaking of those young people, you know, let's just say, well, let's, let's take a married couple just getting into their careers, early 30s, and they go out and buy a $300,000 house and a $50,000 vehicles for them. Okay, they got their new job. They're in their new career. Now, how much insurance do you think they're going to own on that three hundred thousand dollar house or that fifty thousand dollar car? Probably none on the car, and they might. Own well, they they finance the car now. Before you drive that car off well, the lot, that's true. this what do you have to do before you can drive a vehicle off the lot? Yeah, what do they call that insurance? You're buying it right there at the F and I guy. The most profitable yeah, guy on the car lot is probably the F and I guy, the financing. Yeah. yeah. So they gotta guy. have that 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 comprehensive that that coverage that they gotta have the insurance for the car. And I always ask, well, who does that actually protect? And they well, you know, it's it's protecting the the bank, the financial institution yeah. that financed the car. It's the same with a house. That's why you can't get a mortgage, right? Before you get insurance. Right. There should should there be a law you can't have a kid or you can't go into your career without life insurance? I don't know. I don't want there to be a law, but uh, that's a no, the, Barry. That's a no. There shouldn't <laughs> be a law. <laughs> yeah, and that's the, that's the thing about it. It's a, it's a free and open contract, right? That mm-hmm. that somebody can make a decision on themselves and they own it and they control it. So, well, you know, uh, if you talk to make, about that three hundred fifty thousand dollars in expenses, and that's just one car, right? Um, right. How much interest are they going to pay? Just on those two items, you know, it's phenomenal. And then they're going to do it over and over and over and over again. Every time they refinance or they move, move. you know, most people don't drive cars, you know, more than four or five years. There's two of them. That means they're buying a car every two to three years. I mean, on average, and I understand what averages do, but if you look at just the... uh, Ownership of automobiles today for the all-American family. And, and, you know, I've used truth concepts, calculators, days gone by and proven or illustrated, demonstrated how much money the all-American family spends for the privilege of driving cars over an average lifetime. And it's well over a million dollars. All right. Now, if you had the ability to, to capture the equivalent of some of that lost interest, you know, would you, would you want to is a straightforward question. And uh, it's typically, yes, yeah, of course I would. And then, you know, how soon would you like to start learning how to do that? Yesterday, immediately, you know, and, and um, that reminds me of a, I had a call with a prospective client about a month or so ago and we had already invested, you know, you invest a lot of time with people that engage in your process, whatever your process is, you know, because we're not selling one off, one size fits all of anything, right? Right. Anyway, I was talking to this gentleman and his wife, and it was on a go-to meeting or a Zoom call. And I'm just at point blank asking him straightforward questions. And he like him and hauls and never says a word. He goes, oh, well, James, you're a good salesman. Oh, my gosh. I didn't hang up immediately, but I got off the call pretty quickly. You know, yeah. it wasn't, James, man, are you, are you married? Are you a good husband? Do you have children? Are you a good father? Do you have siblings? Are you a good brother? You're a good friend? No, it's I asked him a point-blank, truthful, straightforward question. And he's like, wouldn't answer the question. And he's like, wow, James, you're a good salesman. So there's a lot of that that, you know, professionals like you and others have to endure, you know. So I think, you know, for you taking the time for this young lady at 28 years old that wants to compare IUL to whole life, I mean, 
you're doing her a service, taking time out of your busy day to spend with her. And she probably doesn't have a dang clue or no idea of the value that you're going to bring to her. And I think yeah. that happens quite a bit in the yeah. financial world. So, yeah, it's an, uh, Nelson called it an awakening, right? They have to, they have to just have that. They got to come to the realization that, that what's really going on, um, you know, out there with their money. So, uh, and that's up to them, but yeah, it, uh, it is time consuming, but, but that's, that's what it's all about. It's just educating and just sharing, uh, what we've learned. Uh, we didn't, we didn't learn this stuff overnight, right? I'm, uh-huh. I'm a slow learner. It took me, it took me <laughs> years to kind of figure it out. I mean, I, I, I was a bad banker. I was not an honest banker. Uh, and, uh, yeah. it took me years to, to figure that out. Well, you know, and I don't, I'm a positive guy, you know. I mean, I'm an eternal optimist. You get to meet cool people, you yeah. know, because of this. You get, you, oh, yeah. you'd have probably never met this young lady, you know, if it hadn't been for Nelson Nash uh, and his work. Absolutely, I've met him. some. Yeah, so I've met some fantastic people. Uh, just salt of the earth, good people, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's definitely rewarding. I wouldn't be in the business if it wasn't. Uh, rewarding uh not not financially i mean not not that i don't uh, make good money but that you know just the, just the satisfaction of helping people know that that really we can change lives uh with people not only financially but you know just if uh, of the grieving of, of a loved one and knowing that somebody someone is there to help come in and and, and take care of the family now uh, when that happens i haven't had many death claims uh, i don't know about you but uh you know, they're few and far between. Now clients are getting older, so I know they, they will start happening. But, um, you know, just to be able to know that you had a part in that. Uh, and then teaching the kids. So many uh, parents, you know, want to teach this to their kids and their grandkids. And, uh, you know, I always uh, – I, I, I love to teach the kids. As a matter of fact, I spend a lot of time uh, with my clients that have kids and grandkids and, right. and just sharing, sharing it with them if they're willing to listen. And by the way, you brought a book uh, many years ago to the Think Tank, and I, I've since become partners with those guys, but I love their little post, the Tuttle Twins book. You remember bringing the creature from Jekyll Island? Yeah, you handed, you handed it out. Yeah, yeah. So I love uh, sharing that with the kids, and I'll send those to my clients. And so, you know, but you're right. The young people – I believe just have a different perspective than maybe the the people that have been brainwashed uh, all their life, like like us, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, so we have to unlearn sometimes and uh, rethink our thinking, right? So yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, I went somewhere one time, and I, it was in the financial world, uh, some kind of symposium somewhere, and it, and it could have been an early think tank. I really don't remember, but some guy brought like three hundred copies of this little pamphlet. You know, and just gave him. We didn't know him, who he was, or uh, why he did it, or any. You know, and it was such a good read. It was. I still have it. I mean, it talked about fractional reserve banking. Is why I'm quite sure it was through a Nelson Nash think tank. And I thought, what a lovely idea. The guy didn't ask for anything. He didn't ask for any stage time. You know, he didn't ask for any recognition. He just passed these things out and had them shipped there. You know, so whenever. uh, I think some of the gentlemen up there did the artwork on Banking with Life DVD. And, uh, and I don't remember how I got connected with them, but they came out and they still have a series of children's books. And uh, I thought that was the greatest thing ever. We have them. We have them on our website. And uh, so that's kind of the backstory to that. I thought, man, if you have clients that won't read a book, maybe, they're, maybe they'll read this to their children. Maybe their children will read it. Maybe they'll read this because it's such an easy read. And so I had about three or four hundred of them shipped to a think tank one time. And thank you. Yeah, no, you're welcome. Thank you for being there. And it was we still sell them today and give them away. Yeah. And and I'll be honest with you. uh, I do have uh, the creature from Jekyll Island, the the real one from Geo over Griffin. Yeah. But uh, here it is. Matter of fact, 600 pages. How many pages in that book? Yeah. Well, this book's a little intimidating. Uh, yeah, yeah. I ha- I'll be honest. I have not read the entire book. I've what? read part. Uh, now I have heard his speech, though the entire speech on the book, and I've heard a lot of people talk about it. But but yeah, that kids book. So you know, most people aren't going to read this book, right? How, how many you, pages are in that book, Barry? While you have that up, five hundred and 
600 pages. Thank you. Yeah, I round up. So I was right. Okay. Well, have uh, have you ever read Eustace Mullins, uh, Secrets of the uh, No Wait? Uh, yeah, Secrets of the Federal Reserve. I have not. All right. Well, I'm going to send you one. Okay. <laughs> okay. I I gave it to Nelson sounds, years sounds ago. Sounds very interesting. It is, uh, and it's under 200 pages. And that author on that book that you just held up got all of his research from Eustace Mullins work printed in 1953. Wow. All right. So that book is intimidating. I know that book is, uh, I think, I don't know if it's on tape or on DVD, but it's available where you can listen to it nowadays. Yeah. I've, I've got an MP3 and, uh, you know, again, I've seen, seen him many times speak, but, uh, the fact that, like you said, uh, maybe the kids, you know, the kids book obviously being much smaller, much easier to read. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, I used to, uh, get a lot out of reading the children's Bible to my kids. I mean, you can, you put it on the kids level. Sometimes it's a little bit easier to understand. Right. I mean, (laughs) right. Right. Teacher uh, always learns, right. Yeah, exactly. What else you want to cover, Barry? I know you're a busy man. Oh, that's, that's, I'm, I'm good, man. What, uh, whatever's on your mind, but I appreciate you, uh, definitely, uh, let me speak and, uh, coming on today. Uh, it's an honor to be be here with you, James. Well, I, you know, you're welcome. I appreciate you taking your time. Thank you for coming and sharing with us. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I'll put a link to your website here in the show notes, and maybe I'll throw up uh, Eustace Mullins, Secrets of the Federal Reserve. There you go. That'd be good. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm going to send you one of those. And you can get around to reading it. You know, whenever you get around to reading it, it'll like. I might have a round to it. Somewhere in here. You got a round to it? I do. <laughs> but I've moved twice, so I can't pull one out of my pocket. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, listen, thanks again, Barry. I wish you the very best. You, you know, let me say this, too. It's, it's, I've said it many times. I probably haven't ever said it to you. But uh, I guess it would be in 2020 at the Think Tank. You know, we're... Uh, uh, I think we're wrapping up after a two-day event. Most people flew in the day before and flew out the day after, you know, and lots of good fellowship has had all around. But as we were wrapping up and leaving, I was watching, you know, out in the big room and people, you know, mulling about, milling about, saying their goodbyes, we'll see you next time. And and I watched you say goodbye to Nelson Nash. And it was so touching. You bent down and kissed his forehead. Pretty powerful. So, anyway, he meant a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah, he did to a lot of people. That's for sure. And uh, you know, we wouldn't be having this conversation if it weren't for him. So, uh, right. Uh, yeah, that uh, I'm grateful uh, to have met him and uh, met you. Yeah, thanks. Me too. Same here. All right. Listen. Have a great day. Thanks again. You and, too, uh, James. Come see us when you're out this I way. Hope, hope y'all got some value out there. And yeah, if you're uh, if you're down this way, come see us in Mississippi. All right. Have a great day. Thank you so much, James. We'll see you, Barry. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.